Hey guys, thanks for tuning in with me again for another uh, true crime story time segment. I am your host Haley Lira and today I'm going to be telling you the story of John List. John E. List, from all accounts, looked like the perfect American family man. He even was said to have been a really good father. Him and his family were devout Christian Lutherans, and they attended their local church every Sunday, and he even taught Sunday school there. How John went from being this, you know, typical dad to family annihilator that shot all his children, his wife and his mother, in the head ate a peaceful meal, had a nice sleep, and then escaped for 18 years, where they found him with a new name and a new wife in a new state, doing the same job and living the same peaceful life he had before. So let's jump into it. Who is John E. List and what the hell did he do? Okay, John List was born to strict German immigrant parents. They too were devout Lutherans and raised him as a Lutheran household, very um, strict Christian home. He served for the American army over in Germany during World War II. After that, he went to college in 1946 and moved to Virginia. In 1951, he met his wife, Helen, um, his first wife. (laughs) They were married in Maryland. John List could not keep a damn job. He moved his family a lot over seven years, and I say that they were chasing John's jobs. He was never fired for work performance, according to his psychiatrist. It was all personality-based. But in 65, he got a great job as the VP of a bank in New Jersey, which led him to move his wife, Helen, and their three children to to New Jersey, where they bought that 19-room mansion in an affluent area. And this is actually a home that John didn't want to buy, and he could not even afford this home. Okay, as I said, he could not keep a decent job. So for the past seven years, fired again for personality issues. One thing really important to mention about John and Helen's relationship was that John didn't really like Helen. Um, In fact, he kind of resented her. He considered his marriage to her a failure. And that is really important to kind of what led up to this blanketed term midlife crisis. So Helen had told John she was pregnant and that is why John and her got married. However, Helen was not really pregnant and John felt like he duped her and trapped her, trapped him into this marriage because again, they were both devout Lutheran people. There's no way that they were going to have a baby out of wedlock or even have a baby with someone they weren't married to ever yes so he did feel trapped by her and also Helen had this mysterious disease that caused her a lot of problems which worsened over time Um, problems like she became blind in one eye she um, had to rely heavily on tranquilizers and alcohol to cope and also it caused a personality disorder it caused brain damage so she slowly turned into an unattractive paranoid recluse per se although helen had lied about um, being pregnant they still got married and stayed married and they went on to have three children patricia 
John and Frederick. At the time of their murders, Patricia was 16, John was 15, and Frederick was only 13. John's psychiatrist mentions that John also kind of resented his children. I'm not sure if this is because he was such a strict Lutheran and they weren't meeting up to his standards, which is something that can be common for family annihilators. If the family's not within the same belief or goes against their religious beliefs, that can cause them to kill their entire families. So anyway, all I do know though is that he is reportedly to have kind of resented having children. But nonetheless, he stayed married to Helen. Him and Helen had three children. And I think it was because they moved around so much and his wife had a worsening medical um, mysterious condition that this caused some of the behaviorisms that I bet he would have exhibited to go unnoticed and to have very little witness statements that we can find about it things leading up to him to act out in this way so when he finally got this awesome job as VP over a bank in New Jersey it was almost like he was finally getting his break he was finally catching catching some wind for him and his family so he does report that he did not want really to buy that big house and have the financial pressure of that 19 home mansion now remember this is a 19 home mansion which includes a ballroom it's got a beautiful green luscious estate great property and there's also a third story apartment which his mother lived in but again, John says he felt really pressured to buy this house, and he even had to borrow the money from his mother and move her in, which kind of put a lot of strife in his life. He really didn't like it, the tension, I think, with his mom being there. So that's where we're at. They're in this 19-home mansion. Helen's health is steadily declining from this mysterious disease. She's getting weirder. He really resents her. He resents this house. He resents the financial, you know, burden of his family. And also, because of his religious beliefs, he believed that poverty was a sin. And he could not bear with the thought of him and his family going to hell because they are going to be forced into a life of sin from poverty. Very extreme belief in this. So, no surprise to anybody, I'm sure, but after only a year at the VP job, John gets fired. And John cannot find a damn job again. However, John does not disclose this to his family. He has too much pride and lacks the humility. He could not bear to also stay around the home. Like, I guess he never would just say, oh, I'm going to take some time off work or whatever. He got dressed every day and went and would do things like read the newspaper at the train station and I guess just stay gone. So while John doesn't have a job and he's out pretending that he's at work every day, he's secretly funneling money out of his mother's bank account, which he was on the account as well. So I think it was pretty easy for him to do. And that's why I don't know if it went undetected. There's no record of it, but I don't believe his family knew his financial situation and that he was almost bankrupt weeks to John leading up to officially being bankrupt. He had really thought through all of his options. Um, he said that he didn't want to kill himself because he thought that, you know, he would immediately go to hell and 
for two, his family would then be left to be poor, which would cause them into a life of sin, and they would also go to hell. Um, So the only option left, he thought, was that he could kill all of them, and they would be sent to heaven because their souls would still be pure and they aren't in poverty, and that he could get forgiveness and just, you know, meet him up there. One of Jackie's teachers, I guess it was actually her drama theater coach, he did mention that Jackie's dad thought she had maybe tried drugs and was really upset about pretty typical 16-year-old girl stuff she had been doing. That could have also put into this pressure of oh my gosh my family's failing I'm failing we're gonna go to hell we're gonna be poor like ah now what most believe and I think has a really big part of why he snapped is after 18 years of marriage he found out that Helen didn't have a mystery disease Helen had been hiding from him and her doctor that she had syphilis. Yes, so Helen was a widow actually, who had two children with a previous husband that died in action in the army, her first husband. And that is who she contracted this STD from. Well, John List being such a devout Lutheran, I can't imagine what he thought, like how impure he felt they say because of this being an STD and the fact that his wife, his wife, this was happening to her body because of that. I'm sure with his strict Christianity beliefs, he thought this was almost like a payback to her. Now that's not reported anywhere. That's strictly my personal opinion. So all this together, this is what happened. Late into the year 1971, John E. List annihilated his family and fled for 18 years. It was a month past when neighbors actually found it odd that he had left all the lights on and they were slowly burning out. A high school employee also questioned the absence of Patricia, who was 16, after she'd been gone for weeks from school. All the children were gone for weeks, though. When authorities entered the home, music was left playing on the intercom system, classical. All the members of the family were found shot dead, along with a note to his pastor, and it was extremely cold in the home. Now, I am going to give you guys his perspective of that morning from an interview he did while he was in prison before he passed away. So he says that he got up that morning and he got dressed and went to breakfast with his kids. He said that he wanted to act cool and calm and not like give away any signs that something was going on. While the kids were off at school, John's first victim was his wife, Helen. She'd been sitting at the kitchen table drinking coffee when he walked up and shot her in the back of her head. He then went up to his mother's apartment and he says he gave her a kiss on the cheek. He sat down to talk to her for a moment. She asked him what that noise was and that she got up and went towards the door like maybe she was going to check and he said he shot her in the head. Then he said his mother was too heavy to move and that's why he left her in the apartment. But he did go downstairs. He moved his wife's body onto a sleeping bag and placed her in the ballroom floor. He then um, cleaned all the blood in the crime scene. He said that he was surprised by how much it pooled around her body. 
He then left the house and he decided he'd go withdraw $2,000 from a joint account he had with his mother. He emailed letters to the schools and people who would be concerned saying that they'd be out of town to take care of an ill relative and had a hold put on their mail. He then went home, made lunch, um, and waited for his kids, Patty and uh, John and Frederick to come home. So Patty was the first to come home and um, all he did was sneak up behind her and shoot her in the back of the head. He then moved her to the ballroom on the sleeping bag by her mother. The next child to come home was Frederick and he reportedly snuck up behind him and shot him in the same way he'd had Patricia and of course cleaned up the crime scene and moved his body onto the ballroom as well. The last one that he had was his son John and he didn't want to wait for John to get home from school um, because he had a soccer game that day. So John went ahead and picked up his son named after him which I think is so terrible but he went and he picked him up from the soccer game um, and what really shook me was he actually said yeah yep John was playing soccer I watched him for a minute he seemed to have been having a really good time um, and it didn't even phase him and um, although he claims that John's death was fast and painless also um, John was shot ten times and that is because I guess he began to flinch from muscle spasms when he was shot the first time. After having killed, cleaned, and placing his family members in the ballroom floor all but his mother because she was too heavy to move from the third story, um, he said that he felt relief that he even went and had a peaceful meal. The peaceful meal in the same kitchen that he killed his family in. He pointed that out. He said he then tidied up and went to bed. He said he didn't get the best night's rest, but he probably got a better night's rest than the night before. That is a quote. Yes, before leaving the next morning, he put the temperature at 50 degrees to slow decomposition. He left all the lights on and put on his favorite classical station through all the intercoms. This was to keep out intruders. He also left a very long four to five page note to his pastor outlining his apologies and why he did what he did. It's noted that the letter police found to John List Pastor was dated back four weeks and it in fact had been a month before his family was discovered because he'd prepared so well for this. He was long gone headed west. He was headed to Denver to change his name and start a new life as Robert Clark. For those of you who don't know, John List actually got away with this murder for 18 years. That note was the last contact anybody would have with John List. And in it, the only excuse he gave was that he felt like if his family had subcame to poverty, they would all go to hell. And he actually did this to save them and save their souls. Now, how the hell did he get away with this for so long? Okay, so his car was found at an airport, at the Kennedy Airport actually, and that was the last sign of him. Um, he ended up moving to Denver, Colorado and changing his name to Robert Clark, where he got just a regular job. Um, I believed he worked somewhere in like a restaurant back, I don't know if he was a dishwasher or a cook, but just like a regular regular job 
and um, he kind of went incognito and low profile. He later ended up going back to accounting, something that he'd failed many times at keeping a job at, and he actually met his second wife at church. He was still a practicing Lutheran and believer, and um, ironically, after marrying Dolores and being married for years, he became a really big fan of this show called America's Most Wanted. And John would tell everybody to watch this show, and he really liked it. Well, he watched the tail end of an episode about him, and he actually said that he was surprised at the accuracy of their composite. You see, they had like a smaller life-size version of his head, and which did look a lot like him, and they described him to a T. He was described as having like a very calm, timid, friendly personality with horn-rimmed glasses. Just a regular man. Now, 200 tips came in and they would get mailbags full of tips and leads for to FBI's most wanted. Now, of the 200 tips that came in, a woman was actually convinced that her neighbor, Bob Clark, who just moved with his wife, leaving Colorado was the man that they were looking for. It was only 11 days later that they nabbed their guy. Dolores Clark was shocked when FBI came to her home to arrest her husband and she told them where to go find him, not believing this story at all. They arrested him the same day. Oh my goodness, he denied, denied, denied. It wasn't until he went to court with a defense that everyone was anxious for his plea. He actually admits to doing it. He finally cracked. But it was a very matter-of-fact, cut-and-dry way. And he claims to have a major personality disorder as a legal defense. After a four-hour and on-camera recorded interview of psychiatrist Dr. Simring of of New Jersey that he said Mr. List had a clear mind at all times and he basically snapped and for lack of a better term had a midlife crisis because of several things he felt like he failed at. The marriage to Helen was a personal fail because, um, you know, she lied. She wasn't pregnant. He resented that. They didn't have three kids. People said he was a good father. In his interview, he said, I certainly loved them all. But he explains Dr. Simmon, or Simmering explains that John was extremely repressed and could not express feelings like at all. And this is something that started as a child. So yes, he says John had his problems. Um, He did have a lot of things that went into him having a midlife crisis, but he was in control and had a clear mind at all times of this act. And also he didn't feel like he had a psychological disorder enough that would keep him from being competent for trial and regular sentencing like everybody else. Thank you, Dr. Simring. Yes. So I will leave you with this. Dolores never did go visit John List for the rest of his remaining life in prison. Good for you, girl. 
and I will also say that he did get five counts of murder and five life sentences for those crimes. He died in prison in, at the age of 82 back in 2008 from pneumonia-related complications. Oh man, that is so effed, guys. Ugh, that's pretty heavy. So, because that was so heavy, I will end with this. Um, I found it was really interesting that America's Most Wanted did not want to do the episode over John List. It wasn't until the one of the producers slash hosts um, really began to hate John List and was like, let's nail this effer, guys. Um, he just became more and more revolted by him and just thought, how cool would it be if we could nail this guy? And thank goodness that they did. You guys, always, you know, pay attention to those stories out there because it's everyday people that find one detail that stick out and solve these things. All right. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I will see y'all next time during story time. Go check out my Instagram. It's at H-B-O-O-B-O-O-L-I-R-A. And I hope y'all have a great day or night or morning wherever you're at. Bye, guys.